We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Thanks for listening on this Saturday morning. Staying with us the first hour. We've got a lot more ahead until 11 o'clock. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 Score. This is Inside the Clubhouse, broadcasting live from our Hyundai Score studios. And it's time now to go out to our guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find the Cubs president of business operations, Crane Kenny. Good morning, Crane. How are you? Hey, good morning, David. Good to have you. Thanks for joining us. Look, yesterday, you were part of a ceremony outside Wrigley Field where the new DraftKings facility is going up, 22,000 square feet. There was a beam signing ceremony. There was a lot of pomp and circumstance crane. Let's start there. So did you have any misgivings about having that on a day where, let's face it, when you go to Wrigley Field at Clark and Addison, there's so many obvious signs of progress, whether it's Hotel Zachary, Gallagher Way, or this new facility going up, you step inside the ballpark and you don't see as many obvious signs of progress. How do you reconcile the two? Uh, well, so I think this topic came up as well when the National Park Service dedicated Wrigley as a national monument last year. You know, you set these things up uh, months in advance and, um, you know, the, the, the business has to keep moving forward. And I know um, Jed and the team are, are working hard on the baseball side. On our side, you know, it's... Um, it's a project like any other that's got timelines and milestones. And the milestone that was scheduled for yesterday was, uh, you know, celebrate with our partner DraftKings and, uh, and the city uh, who've been helpful to us as well as our partners at Levy and our architects and others and bring them to the site and, uh, and kick off what will be the finishing touches for our uh, sports book. So um, listen, uh, we care as much as anyone about what's happening on the field. Um, it's a difficult year. Um, great to see Kyle throw so well last night, but um, no, we, we, we understand the, the, the heartache uh, that everyone's going through uh, seeing our, our team on the field some days, but um, the business has to keep moving. And, you know, yesterday was the date we had scheduled for, for the dedication of the beam signing. Crane, I'll stay in the subject. Uh, the Chicago Cubs haven't had an all-star game for 33 years. Uh, the only team that was longer, I believe, is the Dodgers, and they're having one this year. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the dynamic of that? And also, with the additions of uh, things like uh, DraftKings and uh, the hotel, as David pointed out, and uh, improvements in the area, why why wouldn't Chicago be the destination uh, after you guys invested a billion dollars into Wrigley Field over the last seven years? Uh, yeah, very good question, right? It seems like it's our turn. Uh, last had it in 1990. Uh, there's only 30 teams in baseball. Um, I think during the reconstruction of Wrigley, um, it was obvious why we weren't going to host the game until the ballpark was done. Uh, with the sports books, our last major project on the schedule. Um, so by the second quarter of next year, that will be finished. And it, w- it will put us in a good place uh, with the with the league uh, to get the game. The 
the the the uh, the awarding of the All Star Game is really a, a three party dance. Though it's uh, it's us, it's the league, and the city. Um, what you're seeing mo- in most cases is that um, cities are rewarded for significant investments in the facilities um, by bringing the All Star Game. Uh, you know, an All Star Game in a city like Chicago would probably generate between seventy five and a hundred million dollars of economic activity for the city. So it's a, it's a real nice. Uh, boom for the the city when you know typically during the all-star game um, all the ballparks except for the host city are, are empty um, so it's a you know it's really it's up to us the city and the and the league to come together um, the building will be done uh, as I just mentioned by the second quarter of next year um, there's some infrastructure um, and mostly security related issues around Wrigley the city needs to complete um, we're working with them to get those done um, and once we get those done to the to league satisfaction, I think we're, we'll be you know one of those most deserving to get it. Joined by Cubs president of business operations, Crane Kenny, here on Inside the Clubhouse. Crane, so w- that's when it will be done. What will it be? Because reading about it, hearing about it, goodness sakes, 22,000 square feet, 800 people, it seems like it will be the capacity. And this has to be a typo, right? A 2,000 square foot television? Yeah, the yeah the new thing um, in these sports books, and like everything, whether it was the hotel or parts of the ballpark or our new clubs, you know, we toured all of the existing sports books in Atlantic City and Las Vegas. There's one in the Meadowlands, so we we went and saw what best in class looked like, and then tried to take it up a notch. Um, you know, the the it's not one single television; it's kind of a gigantic ribbon board um, that kind of goes from sort of right field through center field to left field inside the building. And um, it'll allow us to have four or five different games on at one time, you know, so particularly around M- March Madness time when, um, you know, you've got three or four regionals playing at the same time. Um, you can have all the games on. If it were something like the Super Bowl, you'd dedicate all the screens to just the one game um, or the Kentucky Derby or something like that. So, it's yeah, it, it can be up to a 2,000-square-foot screen for just one game, but typically it will be broken up into multiple games. Um, and, you know, we think it's just another great amenity at, uh, on campus. So the hotel was a nice um, lift for the campus, as was Gallagher Way uh, and the office building. Um, and now we'll add a sports book for those who choose to partake. Crane, uh, in the offseason, we were hearing that the, the Cubs had money to go out and get uh, other players. They d- did get, go out and certainly they got themselves, you know, a starting pitcher. And they signed you guys signed Suzuki, but it seems there was money left on the table. Um, when when you looked at you know the rumors about Eric Hosmer being more than a rumor, but reality and a lot of money coming back there. Also, uh, the rumors that were not necessarily rumors about Correa and money being there. For that money that uh, we heard about, will th- will that be spent in the future? Is, is there a is there a bigger payroll that will be Looked at in 2023. I know that Jed has an awful lot to say about that, but uh, certainly uh, you and Tom are involved in that. Where, where did, where did that money go this year, and and where will it go in the future? Uh, that's a good question. So, um, and, and I, you know, I hate to keep giving the same answer year after year, but it, it's, it is the same answer year after year, which is. Uh, you know, yesterday we had our first concert of the, uh, of the summer, Grateful Dead, uh, and have another one tonight. All of these activities, all of them generate uh, revenue that go back into the baseball budget. So um, uh, the sports book will do the same thing. And, you know, this goes back to my time with Jim Hendry. It's sort of always done the same program, which is you generate as much revenue as you can. Uh, 
Um, you, you obviously take care of your fixed expenses, so the labor and other expenses that you know go into running our operation. And we've been really fortunate. The Ricketts family, they, they're not a public company. They don't have to satisfy shareholders. Uh, they let us put every dollar that's not used uh, in running the business back into the payroll. So um, as you point out, we, we, we had a lot of money left at the end of this year we didn't spend. Uh, all of that will roll over for next year. Uh, and, uh, again, uh, we trust our baseball operations guys to make good decisions with those proceeds. And, you know, they'll either use them next year or, or down the line. But, um, again, they stay inside the system. And I get it's boring. I keep saying this every year. But um, it's a closed loop. Um, and, you know, when the time is right, we'll spend, we'll spend those resources to build a great team. Well, you keep answering it, Crane, because I think we keep asking it. And we keep asking it because I think people keep pointing it out that, you know, they want the Cubs to spend like a big market team. That's the easiest way to to address it. And you look at the payroll rankings and, you know, the Cubs are 14th and you just explain why that may be the case. But when you look at it and, you know, there's it's pointed out to us all the time, every morning, every day here on the score and elsewhere. You know, the Cubs, it's the most expensive fan experience in baseball, and they have the 14th-ranked payroll. And you'd like to see a little bit more or less room between the two when it comes to payroll, when it comes to MLB rankings. Do you have a, a realistic, I don't want to say goal, but is there, a, is there a spot where you feel comfortable being? And would you agree that it, it does stand out when the Cubs in Chicago are 14th? Yeah, you know, it's a talking point. I, I get it. I mean, I think we got to have a little bit of historical perspective. So if you look at between 2016 and 2021, uh, we rank fourth in all of baseball, uh, only behind the Yankees, Dodgers, and just a smidge behind the Red Sox. So over our last championship window, uh, when we were in that championship window, we were one of the top spenders in baseball. And during those six years, we tripped the CBT penalty three times. So including as late as in 2020. So, like, just two years ago, we were over the limit. Um, that was a shortened season, obviously, but we were over the limit in 19 as well. So I think what we're, you know, and I go back now through Sam Zell and all the way back through Tribune, like, we're so <laughs> lucky that we have an owner that lets us spend uh, when the time is right. And, again, over the last six years, we were, we've been top four in baseball. Clearly this year we've taken a step back. And, as I said, all the resources that weren't used that would have pushed us up the ladder on the payroll chart this year will go into next year's budget. So um, I feel really lucky that Tom has never said like, no, I don't want to spend. It's, it's whatever's in the, whatever in the system goes into our baseball operations uh, department to try and win. And that includes paying the CBT tax when we, when we go over it, like we did in 16 and 19 and 20. Um, and I, I feel like that, it, that it's a little bit of a false narrative because Yes, in this one single year, uh, we're back into the middle of the table. But if you look at any sort of reasonable length of time, we're always in the top four or five. Crane, uh, you know, you look at uh, the Chicago Cubs, and I know your ticket prices have been flat for two going on three years. Uh, but, you know, you do have one of the highest ticket prices in baseball. And how much time do you people spend in the front office talking about the fact that, okay, right now, our product is certainly not worth what a lot of people are paying. The experience is still a great one, but uh, how much juggling do you do when you know that you're in the midst of rebuilding to a certain extent and the ticket prices are still at the level of a championship caliber uh, ask from the fan base? 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, the ticket pricing, as, as you point out, we haven't raised prices in several years. Um, uh, it's a really tough uh, question because you're setting your prices at the end of the season. You have certain expectations as to what you'll do in the off season. You know, sometimes those deals come together and you spend the money and sometimes they don't. Um, uh, you know, obviously we spent a lot of money in, in, in the rotation, 60% of which has been hurt for most of the season. Um, our right fielder, our big acquisition, also has been banged up. Uh, obviously, not 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 uh, nothing that we could have foreseen. So, I mean, our expectation was this year would be a little bit better than what we're seeing. Um, not to use injuries as an excuse, but you know, it's been it's been a tough run for us. Uh, and we do what we do with our ticket pricing is we we and I think I've used this answer a lot, and you're probably tired of hearing it, but we push all this information, like five million pieces of data, into a analytic uh, process that tells us where our tickets trade in the secondary market, where they trade in the primary market. Every ticket, every seat, every game is different. So, you know, the upper deck's different than the lower part. Uh, the bleachers are different than the grandstand. Uh, an April game is different than a July game, and a Reds game is different than a Cardinals game. So um, all of that gets pushed into um, uh, basically a black box that comes out with these are the ticket prices based on market demand that we should expect next year. And we look at time of season, time of week, uh, time of game, and all that stuff. And it comes out; it gives us a range. We have been we've been kind of hanging toward the bottom end of the range, just waiting for um, uh, signs of team perf- performance to improve. Um, and that's why we've kept them flat over the last two or three years. Uh, hard to tell what we'll do this coming uh, fall, but um, clearly the performance on the field this year will will be an indicator as to what we do. Joined by Crane Kenny for a few more moments here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Crane, I always think it's interesting to get your perspective on where things stand with the Marquee Sports Network. Certainly, a lot has changed in Major League Baseball. A lot has changed in the broadcast landscape since the Cubs you know, went that direction and uh, it had, its own, had your own network. How would you describe those changes and your ability to adapt? Because, and, and whether or not, Going to Marquee has how how uh, the expectations are now based on where they were when the network began. Yeah, we're we're really excited about the performance of Marquee to date. Um, you know, when the when our former network um, ended uh, and the rights came back to us, both from WGN, ABC, and uh, Comcast Sportsnet. You know, there was a question of what we do next, um, and. You know, one of the things that we'd learned over the 20 years uh, being a part of a four-team network were, was that we were limited in how much coverage we could give the team. You know, the pregame, the postgame would be curtailed. The ability to do the long-form documentaries, the ability to experiment with things um, because it was a one-size-fits-all um, uh, approach, which which made sense. Obviously, all the teams feel strongly about the importance of their brands, and, you know, one team shouldn't have more airtime than the other. And uh, you know, so the goal of Marquee was to program it with more Cubs programming, and you know, you've seen all that. They, I think, the only RSN in the market to win multiple Emmys last year. So, it's being recognized by the critics as being really successful on the on the programming side. Um, and we're really proud of bringing bringing Beth Mullins on, the first uh, female to call a game for us. And um, anyway, lot, lots of neat milestones. And I really uh, think Mike and his team are doing a great job on on the programming side. The business as a whole is changing just like it is for everyone. Um, and as more and more people are turning to streaming services to get programming, I think you'll see not just for us, but the entire league and actually all of the leagues start migrating toward uh, streaming products. So ESPN now has ESPN Plus and 
NBC has Peacock, and I think you'll see Marquee bring out a Marquee Plus product for those who've cut the cord, said, listen, I don't really want to have a cable service or a dish on my house. Going to get my um, programming through the Internet. Um, and I think next year you'll see Marquee launch a, a Marquee Plus product for those who have opted out of the cable ecosystem. So um, we'll migrate with it. I think there's also probably coming um, a scale play, uh, maybe led by the league. You see Sinclair trying to do it. Um, they're going to be launching in the next week or two, um, uh, bringing all of their uh, RSNs around the country together in one service. Um, and I could I could see some somewhere down the road MLB trying to bring all the RSNs together. Um, we have a really interesting and kind of a, an aggravating uh, blackout issue in parts of Iowa in particular where those the territory is technically inside uh, the Cubs territory. So that means the MLB.com service, which is for outer market subscribers, is not available. But some of those cable systems don't carry the Cubs because they might be in a territory that's kind of shared between Milwaukee, the you know the Brewers, the Twins, and the Cubs. And, you know, the, the cable system there said, ah, we don't want to pick one over the other. We're not going to carry any of them. So those those fans, those Cub fans, can't really watch our games except for on Fox and ESPN. So that national service would solve that blackout issue. So I, I think, David, it's always moving. I think you'll see a streaming service coming from Marquee and the others. In fact, the Red Sox launched their uh, streaming service a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then I think you'll see the league or, or, or someone else, maybe it's NBC, maybe it's ESPN, try and bring all the RSNs together in a national play. So I, I think in the next three, four years, you'll see some more changing. Crane, uh, Gallagher Way has never looked better with the new statues in there. Uh, I imagine uh, a lot of you get a lot of questions these days about now that you have them in that area, how many more will be coming over the next few years and who will be next? Uh, is it Sandberg? Is it Charlie Grimm? Is it Frank Chance? Uh, give, give our listeners a little hint of uh, what the plan is for the future and, and adding uh, statues in Gallagher Way. Well, the Bruce Levine statue is a couple <laughs> years from now, so we're going to have to hold on that one. Most people um, will say uh, that it, he, it's already a statue. He's already a statue. No, yeah. uh, no I think it's, uh, it's you know turned into the, and I'll be honest, I, I don't think we envisioned the Gallagher way would become what it is. Um, I actually said this yesterday in, in a, at the beam signing ceremony, like, I thought Gallagher Way would be a really neat, especially vibrant place on non-game days. And on game days, since it's ticketed, um, most fans would be inside the ballpark. And it's, you know, complete surprise to us that so many fans actually leave a seat that they paid for to come into Gallagher Way to watch the game on the Jumbotron there, um, in particular in April when the sun is you know setting in the west and um, that part of the ballpark gets a little more warmth than, it, than we see inside, the, inside Wrigley. Um, so it's it you know we would say some of it was by design some of it was by accident. Uh, it's become you know the most popular park on the north side, uh, and we thought bringing the statues all in one place and create kind of creating more atmosphere, especially during the winter. You know, imagine now skating among the statues and all the other stuff that happens around the holidays um, would be really really be neat. Clearly, we have two empty podium, so there are going to be more statues. I don't want to hint at which one will be next, but. It will be a player. Um, it will not be a broadcaster. Uh, and uh, you'll just have to wait and see. But I think you probably have a pretty good idea of where we're going. Yeah, next. he might have a number 23 in his back at one time or another. Uh, but I'm just guessing, of course. Yeah, we'll let, we'll let that stay, stay in the uh, ether for now. 
Crane, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend and uh, really enjoyed the, the visit. All right. Thanks, David. See you, Bruce. Craig Kenny, the Cubs president of business operations here on the score. A lot to get to there, a lot to react to when we come back first. Chin music here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's time for some chin music. Hey, yeah. How about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. (laughs) Because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Yeah, this week, it is a familiar guy who crowds the plate, and we come in high and tight with some chin music for Tony La Russa after he addressed his approach with players who might be ailing a little bit. We always tell them, run to what, you, what your legs feel like. I mean, the most obvious thing is there's guys that can steal, and if their legs are barking, we just don't push it. Um, but I can remember over the course of the years, you know, even like when I was here, Luzinski, you know, we actually ran decent, and he had uh, he was doing a little hamstring, so they were just told, look, you know, just run half speed because that big bat in the middle of the lineup. And he started catching some beef for not, not running the ball out. We had to make it public. Hey, he's, he's being told at the risk of being fined. So it's just part of the game. It's an everyday game. And sometimes you got to be careful with your legs and your arm. I mean, you made some, some throws you can't make. All right, that was Tony LaRusa. Bruce, I have plenty of thoughts about what that does to a, a baseball team when you tell them or you give them permission to not go full strength, not go 100%. But let's start with you. What was your reaction, and what is the context of those comments? Well, the context is is that uh, you have uh, guys that have had multiple injuries. You've had multiple leg injuries to Luis Robert and to Tim Anderson over the past two years, okay? They're your two best baseball athletes, as we pointed out earlier in the show, and Kendall Graveman agreed two of the best baseball athletes in the game of baseball who get by not only on great talent, but tremendous athleticism, which includes using their legs. For whatever reason, and whoever you want to blame, David, those legs have not held up uh, over the last two years. And uh, Robert is dealing with the same issue, although they they wouldn't say it exactly, but the same issue that put him on the shelf for what was it, a couple months uh, last year uh, when he had the uh, groin strain issue that uh, was uh, that was almost detached. And with Robert, last year it was uh, hamstring issues that put him on the shelf. T- oh, I'm st- sorry, Anderson on the uh, DL twice last year with hamstring issues. Now it's a groin. So from the, all that perspective, if I'm running the team, it's not even Tony Larusa. It's Rick Hahn. It's Kenny Williams that are saying to Tony Larusa and to the players, "Hey, we need to play you, but you have to be smart about what you do when you're out there. You cannot go full force, or else you're going to end up being lost for the season." I don't know. Other than keeping them on the bench or on the IL, David, for a month, 
whether or not you can uh, you can make the right call on a daily basis when it comes to that. Okay, I want to be fair here, and I want to I want to underscore what you said about this. All starts with the fact the White Sox have a lot of guys who get injured a lot, and whether you don't call them injury prone though, that'll alienate and get Rick Hahn uh, get his dander up. But the White Sox have a lot of guys who have problems with soft tissue in- injuries. Correct? No, no question. So no that's qu- where it no starts. Question. But I think that what's happened is, and, and maybe this is you know understandable. I, I just it bothers me. You've got you do you go down the list of players, and we did this yesterday during transition with Lawrence and Dan uh, on the Mullen Haas show, and Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Aloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, Yoan Mancata, Adam Engel. All these players at one point in time have been told basically tap the brakes on the effort level. And I understand each one of those guys, you could point to an example of why that makes sense individually. What happens, though, Bruce, I would argue, is collectively lack of effort creates a lack of focus. And when you have one of the dumbest teams in baseball continuing to make base running mistakes, continuing to make defensive errors, and continuing to show lapses in focus, I don't have any doubt where it starts. you got guys whose effort is sort of like this whole casual approach to baseball is at the root of many of the Sox's problems, and I do think it starts when you have a manager who so consistently reminds people that not everybody is going 100%. Well, I think uh, I think his honesty really works against him. You know, probably if he, if he tells you that, uh, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong to to say that, but from the perspective of a player internalizing what that means, David. I think that's the difficult part because each player might take it differently. Uh, if he's out there and he knows he's only going to run 70% to first base, every fan in the stand, you know, you don't have to be uh, a, a, a guy that's been in the game for, for 50 years like Steve Stone or Tony La Russa to know whether a guy's running full out to first base or not. Uh, you have to be paying attention to understand why. But at the same time, when Robert and uh, Anderson don't run full to first base, it's a bad look. It's a bad, bad look. look all around, okay? Bad look. So, so my answer to that is, you know what? If you're not 100% and, you're in, and you have a chance of hurting yourself again while you're out there, do not be in the game, okay? Do not play them. Do not put them in the game. Because it's not fair... To the player, it's not fair to the paying customer, and it's not fair to the manager to put those guys in that position. I, I believe that uh, when the medical staff says, "Yeah, he can play," but you know, you got to tell him to be careful out there. To me, that's telling me, and again, I don't have uh, any skin in the game, so it's easy for me to say that's telling me, uh, running the team, that I, I can't put the guy in the game if he's. If he's that risky to, to have another injury out there and he's so important to my team, I can't have him playing that day. Well, I think that's an interesting uh, conclusion to reach because I, I don't know that you're that far away from having to do that, Bruce, because what you have – when you – Steve Stone, is, it, we're blessed. It's a privilege to have him on the score as often as we have him on the score. White Sox fans are treated to him in the booth every single game. When he goes out of his way to call out Luis Robert, and then he goes out of his way to dust off a Bobby Cox story about when he pulled Andrew Jones, I don't think that he's exaggerating, and I don't think it's accidental. I think he is doing that 
to point out the fact that this is part of a bigger problem and how you provide a solution, I think, is one of these things you have to study again in the offseason. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you address it in terms of, okay, then you say uh, none, nobody who's injured, nobody's 100% can 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 play or is eligible to play or, or I, well, I'm, you can't do that I'm, you can't do that. i'm pinpointing two guys and i'm pinning pinpointing two guys that depend on their athleticism more than most okay to get the job done and clearly over the last couple of days you have seen them not be able to get the job done and and these are wonderful players two of the best players in the game uh but they they are clearly having a hard time adjusting to going out there not being 100% and reining in their ability. Uh, I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm saying that if they if they don't know how to do that, put them on the bench, put someone else in there because it's not fair to them, it's not fair to the paying customer, it's not fair to the manager. Well, it only takes one guy who is lollygagging or not hustling. It only takes one example to make a point. And I think that, you know, in the case when Stoney told the story about Bobby Cox and Andrew Jones, that made an impression on Andrew Jones, the player, individually, but I think collectively on the entire team. And I just think that this culture of casual is, is what has permeated the White Sox clubhouse. I, well, I, kidded, he, yester- I, I, mean, I kidded yesterday. I mean, I kidded yesterday. The slogan for 1983 was winning ugly. The slogan for 2022 is trying barely. This is a team that is not going to overexert yeah. itself. I, I and maybe it takes I, one example to prove I don't think, that. I, personally, I don't think that's fair because of all the injuries. You're talking about two different things, David. You're talking about injured players out there, and you're talking about whether they're giving 100% or not. And uh, I, I don't think they can or want to give 100% at this point because of being told to be cautious. And look, when you played sports, no matter what level – if you were a little bit injured, you knew you weren't going to go 100% and try and blow out whatever it was hurting you. You, you don't you don't need to be told that. But in this case, you know you have guys that are uh, at the highest level of sport, and they need a little guidance because has Tim Anderson never not hustled before? Has Luis Robert never not hustled before yeah. in their yeah, career? I'll, I'll stop you there, Bruce. Yes, Tim Anderson he hustles. I have no problem with T.A. He's changing the game. He's, he's, he's tried and true. I think he's a proven guy. Luis Robert, I think, does have – he has shown moments where I would make an example and I would prove a point to Luis Robert just so it makes him a better player and he remembers that he can't take that casual approach. When did, when did you see it? Because uh, I can't pinpoint it. All I know is this is a guy that blew out his uh, – his, you know a, a, uh, element of his uh, groin that was not attached to the, the leg at some point, missed a whole lot of time. Do you, do you think that you can determine in between where that was, where you saw him not hustle? Well, okay, am I going to – the other night. I mean, the other night was – okay, he's injured. Yeah, but he's, a, he's, he's an injured player now. <sighs> okay. He's injured. Right? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna accept. Okay, fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to cite chapter and verse and specific and have a, a footnote here. But I don't think it's going over. Uh, I'm over my skis by saying the White Sox have a hustle issue. They have a. They have a lot of guys that don't take a. They're not as intense as you want them to be. They don't have a lot of Dandy Mendix, extra grindy guys, and the, and that's that approach. 
needs needs some work. I think they definitely can improve I, on their approach. I, I don't I don't know the players you're talking about, but I will tell you that injured players like Robert and like uh, Anderson should not be out there because they they can't play at uh, the highest level that they they play at. Now it's easy for me to say because. I know the next man up isn't really there, and you are getting your wish today. Sosa is leading off in the Chicago White Sox order Good. and playing second base. Good. So All uh, right. I got a text from Tony Finally. and said, please tell David Haw, I listened to what he, here, I'm reading it right now. Yeah, tell sure David Haw, I listened to what sure he said, and Mock Sosa is leading want, off. Bruce. Mock me if you want. Okay, I'll be the meatball White Sox fan who says that team doesn't play hard enough, and there's a connection between effort and intensity and focus and why they kick the ball around and get thrown out at home plate and can't run the bases and picked uh, off. I think first, there's a the different way. look. I, I appreciate and respect picked your off, opinion. Off. <laughs> I think there is a difference between hustle and baseball IQ. Okay. And I, All and right. I believe that the baseball IQ there in some cases is lacking. And I think the hustle is lacking. They're deficient in both areas, but Bruce quickly, Lenin uh, Sosa is leading off, playing second. Andrew Vaughn, the DH, batting second. I'm sorry, he's, uh, yeah, he's batting second. Luis Robert is back in the lineup. Center field, batting third. Abreu, Pollock, Sheets, Berger. Lurie Garcia playing short, giving Tim Anderson a day off and Reese McGuire behind the plate. That is your White Sox lineup for the Orioles. Lance Lynn on the mound. Hopefully he can get back on track and, uh, and be the pitcher he was the last time out. That will be a good afternoon at Guaranteed Rate Field. Absolutely. All right. Take a deep breath. That was fun, Bruce. A little chin music for Tony. And you threw me a little bit of a heater as well. Yeah, I had, a, I had to block a couple of haymakers from you as well. A couple of things we want to react to with uh, the, from the Crane Kenny interview. We will do that when we come back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Thanks for listening this morning. After us, Steve Rosenblum is solo until Cubs pregame at 1245. Zach Zabin at that point. Cubs Cardinals down in St. Louis. Miles Michaelis and Adrian Sampson, Bruce, on the mound for the Cubs. White Sox today. Lance Lynn against Spencer Watkins of the Orioles. White Sox and Orioles both have 33 victories. The White Sox have 36 losses, the Orioles 39. So let's go back. We have done a lot this show. It's been a lot of fun. Crane Kenny, uh, what was your biggest takeaway, Bruce, in terms of when he was asked about spending as he typically is and just his overall uh, uh, message if he had one to send? What did you take away from his uh, time here? Well, I, I really – you know, not disagreeing that there was money there that was left on the table from the offseason and that uh, it's up to Jed uh, to, uh, you know, you know, take that next year and roll it over and spend it the way uh, that he feels right. So from what, what I got out of that was is that Jed Hoyer and the baseball department didn't feel like with what they had at this point with the team – it was prudent to spend money on Correa or make the Hosmer trade uh, because they were further away from competing uh, than a lot of people thought and that they thought it was more prudent to save that money for a time where they're closer to compete, which might be in 2023, 24, and 25. So 
from that, uh, you know, I, that that's what I, I glommed off of that, that uh, the money is there, but that the baseball department didn't feel uh, there was a, there were worthy candidates that would make this team a contender right now. I did not hear anything, correct me if I'm wrong, I did not hear anything that would dissuade me from encouraging the Cubs to look at this next offseason as one where they could aggressively spend their way back into respectability, however far they drop, or uh, playoff contention if they have the right approach. I, I don't want to disqualify that here on June 25th and right off 2023 because I did hear Crane Kenny say if the opportunity presents itself, the Cubs would have the resources and the willingness to go spend to get the right players at the right time. And if that's next offseason, so be it. Well, I, I think, yeah, that, that's what I just said. I, I said yep. that the money was there this year, though. Yep. So if they wanted, I mean, look, next year, if if these prospects in the minor leagues, let's, let's give a proper scenario. If the prospects in the minor leagues are closer to the big league level for the Cubs, and they feel that some of the guys like Steele and some of the guys like um, Thompson, some of the people like Amaya, who will be uh, coming back as a catcher, uh, if some of these people are closer to the big leagues and are more competitive, I think at that point what he was saying is when Hoyer wants to spend that money, that money is there to the tune of 30 40 $50 million more in the coffers, I believe, will be there for him to plug in when that, when that scenario is correct. Uh, also, will the Cubs be a lot closer to contending – when they make their next group, uh, group of trades, and that could be as, as within the next month. In other words, when Contreras is traded, if and when Hendricks is traded, okay, if and when Stroman is traded, will that bring them just young players or players that are close to the big league caliber of players that you want for the future? So I think when you, you look at at the Cubs, you're going to have to analyze them after the trading deadline, after the minor league season, and then look at them and say, is this team ready to put $30 million a year in Carlos Correa? Okay. Is this team ready to get one of the top pitchers in the free agent draft? Uh, are, are, we, are we close to it? Is 23 the year or is it 24 and beyond? Bruce, speaking of prospects, the White Sox, as we pointed out earlier, are starting and leading off. Lenin Sosa, he's playing second base. He's leading off today. He's wearing number 50. Bruce, I don't know if I've been ex as excited about a White Sox game in a, in a long time as I am for today's. I'm more excited about this White Sox game than I am about the Ch Kenny Chesney concert tonight. And you know how much I love Kenny Chesney. So this is an opportunity for the Sox maybe to get a little bit of a spark. You think? You think? No? Well, yes. he's a talented young guy. Is he ready to play in the big leagues? We'll find out. You won't Why find out in one game. You won't find out. You won't find out in one game, David. Well, tell okay. Tony that. If you're saying, he may only if get you're one telling, game to start this weekend, if you're telling me that he's in the lineup and he's played two weeks and three weeks, I mean, can you tell? Look, can you tell me what Morel is going to be? Is he is he going to be the three thirty, three fifty hitter that he was the first three weeks, or is he going to be the two hundred hitter? That he's been since that time. I mean, are, are, are you going to be able to tell me what type of player Morrell is yet? No. Different scenario. He's going to get his chance 
over time to succeed, fail, succeed, fail, and to ride that course because the Cubs aren't playing for anything except for the future. The White Sox are in a more immediately win-now mode, and Lenin Sosa can give a team that has managed one run in their past two games potentially a spark at the top, and if he's not ready for this opportunity, he shouldn't be here. He should not have skipped a step, but he is. So let's, let's, let's just see what the kid has for a little while because they don't have another solution that makes any more sense at second base. And please don't tell me Lurie Garcia because that doesn't make any sense to me. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But if he's a big league caliber player and he plays up to that level, keep him in there. That's fine. I, I don't think they're playing him just to appease you today, David. I mean, you might think so, but... <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> yeah. Where did you get that from? Well, I mean, you you know, it's, the whole show has been, uh, you know, Sosa, the savior of the White Sox. So <laughs> Chicago welcomes Sosa. See, that's the headline. I'm so, my, my, my take is I hope the kid does well. I hope he stays in there. But if that's that's your solution to the White Sox problem, it, it, it's not going to not going to equate a world championship level uh, ending for the team in 2022. Bruce, you are both overstating the significance and impact of my words and my uh, my desire to see Lenin Sosa. And in we're the in the entertainment business, David. I, you know, I, I know. mean, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I think today is an opportunity. I'm looking forward to it, and let's hope the White Sox um, look at this, look at this the kid, and and give him a chance more than just one game. Because I heard from a, a manager. Not willing to play a guy, he said. Well, he, if he has success, you know, it sounds like he's going to be temporary. Let's hope that he does something that makes that uh, a little more permanent and stick around. I've been for waiting while. for a Sosa to have an impact with the White Sox for over thirty years now. Let's, let's hope that the White Sox don't trade Sosa again. <laughs> down that road, David. Right, we have people to thank. We do, um, including uh, Kendall Graveman of the Chicago White Sox, Queen Kenny, the president of baseball business office for the Cubs. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Our website, I write, I write Cubs and Sox, 670thescore.com. Had a great time, David. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Steve, Steve Rosenblum is next. Cub pregame 1245 with Zach Zaidman. And appreciate you listening here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.